I don't know if you were uh, counting how many times the word in appeared even in those 12 verses, but it's a lot. Um, the word in Christ or that phrase appears over 250 times in Paul's writing, and then it appears about 150 times in John's writing. Those two authors focus on in Christ, meaning our union with Christ. It's the most important doctrine of Christianity. And yet, we can mix it up to the degree that we might ask ourselves the question, am I still in Christ? My walk or my fellowship or my journey this week did not look like that of a Christian. Am I still in Him? Is He still in me? Well, this passage reaffirms that when we abide in Christ, that we are abiding in Him as close as the branch is to the vine, that we are in union with Him such that everything that is in Him is in us. And everything that is in us is grafted in to Him. And that is a permanent and fruit-bearing union. If I could give you one word, it would be strength. And then I would give you a word to either, like a bookend, sap. Does, is there sap coming into your life that gives you strength? Or are you regularly, frequently finding that your strength is zap? Which, which side of strength does that word sap come from? Is there sap? flowing into you such that you are strengthened and bearing fruit? Or as a branch, do you feel more and more like my strength is just constantly zapping out, zapping out? Well, this morning, I want to show you three things about this passage. And I, uh, it, was, uh, it was great last week, Ian's uh, parents were here, and he said, wow, I, I wish that I could hear all this series because we are both a trained horticulturalist. And so it's, it's helpful to have that very image that Christ gave to His disciples. They have just been in the upper room. And it says in chapter 14, verse 31, Rise, let us go from here. So they're leaving, and geography is important, so they've left the upper room, and they're walking through the village, and they're heading to the Garden of Gethsemane where in just a few short hours, Judas, who has already left, will bring, will bring uh, temple guards to seize Christ, where he will be falsely tried, beaten, abused, and then crucified. So he is en route to that garden. And on the way, I believe, as he frequently did, he would pass many, many vineyards, some very, very small and perhaps some large estates. And as he passes the vineyard, he says in his last words to his disciples, this is a great illustration, the best illustration of what me being in you and you being in me looks like. See that vine coming up out of the soil? That's me. And my father is the... The gardener, or as Eugene Peterson says in the message, the farmer. He's the, 
He's the, the care keeper. He's the vine dresser. He's hands on. He's not indifferent. So that everything that comes into my life, be it a trial or be it a great, great blessing, He, by His providence, is at work. And we saw that last week. And He said, in relation to me, you're in me. You're branches coming off the big vine. But remember the order. It's the vine The roots are down in the soil, drawing nutrients up from the soil. It's Jesus' relationship with God the Father that is now coming through Him and into us. It's important to remember that. And I want you to see that if that's not happening, then you're a branch that is not abiding in Christ. I want you to see three things this morning. It's in your outline. I want you to see, number one, that the branch represents the believer. And abiding is not an activity, but it is resting in the vine. Number two, in verse five, you're going to see that the branch bears fruit by sap that is sent from the vine. And that the branch, on its own energy, can do nothing apart from Christ. It cannot, by its own energy, produce fruit. Except being in Christ, as that's where the sap comes from. The sap. And then number three, the non-abiding branch is not a branch that is going to be cut off from the vine. But it's a branch that never was grafted in. It it never, it might look like it's a part of the vine, but it's not. As John Calvin said, this verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch. It does not pertain to the elect. It pertains to the hypocrite. It, it pertains to, Wendy and I, uh, we love, uh, we we mourn the demise of Piggly Wiggly because that was the best place to get green peanuts for boiled peanuts. And we love boiled peanuts. So hook us up with a connection if you got one. But we used to boil those peanuts and Wendy grew up on a farm that actually grew peanuts. And they had a name for those peanuts that you are looking forward to enjoying the fruit of that peanut and you open that peanut and there's nothing in it. Or it's little bitty, bitty, bitty nut. They called them hypocrites. They say, you look like it, but you open you up. There's no fruit. You're a hypocrite. And that's what Calvin says those branches are. Why do I belabor the point? Back to the branch resting in the vine. How do you read verse 4? What glasses... Oh, by the way, do you have your eclipse glasses? Okay, so I have have been very interested in following along this glass business because I've walked into a number of places and there's a pile of, of glasses. You know, they look like those movie 3D glasses that they give out. Well, it comes to find out they're glasses that are inadequate, counterfeit glasses. Now, why anybody would want to give away for free counterfeit glasses, I'm not quite sure. 
but they're glasses that are proper to wear that you won't have your eyeballs burned out of your head. And then there are counterfeit glasses, lenses that if you wear those ones that are not IOS 12312-12, if they don't have that on it, they're counterfeit. And you could endanger your eyesight, you could endanger your eyes by looking at the clips. In looking at verse 4, if you do not have the glasses of the covenant of grace, the gospel of grace, good news, if you don't have good news glasses, if you have the glasses of a legalist and you read verse 4, here's what it sounds like. You better abide in Christ and be fruitful. If you as a Christian are not abiding and you're not bearing fruit, you're going to get cut off. That's the glasses of a legalist. A legalist says this, if I do this for God, then I can expect God to do this. If you look at abiding as praying, reading my Bible, coming to church, tithing, witnessing, then what do you do and what do you feel when you fail to do those things? What do you do? Do you feel, does that encourage you? Or do you feel fearful that I might not be praying long enough? You know, I'm just sending up those flare prayers and I'm not sending a very long prayer like the elders pray. Or, you know, I'm just, I'm just kind of reading uh, good news for, I'm just reading uh, the, the daily bread, you know. I'm not, I'm not having those lengthy chapter readings. So I'm not really abiding very well. It prompts anxiety and fear and insecurity in our union with Christ. Because a legalist would say, if I'm not doing those things and not doing them well, I'm in danger. I'm in danger of my union with Him. Nothing could be farther from the truth. Let's look at it through the spectacles of grace and see what Jesus means when He says, if you abide in Me, I'm in you, and you will bear fruit. In verse verse John, chapter 4, verse 15, we read these words. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him, and he in God. What's the requirement to abide? Abide is to be born again. Grafted in. Brought in by grace. Abide is the new birth. Abide is not your behavior. If you look at abide in me as your activity and not the activity of God, God through Christ taking the first step, then this can become rather bad news. But I am here to tell you that the good news is, is because you as a believer in Jesus Christ are now brought in through a new relationship, you are grafted in and you cannot but abide. You will never do anything but abide. Now, we can always talk after the message if you have just this remaining doubt. 
But I'm going to tell you, I've heard this preached again and again as a means to leave people with a burden by guilt to work harder with the fear that they could lose their salvation. Or they could lose, certainly, they may not lose their salvation, but they would never be fruitful. And I am here to tell you that if you're in Jesus Christ, it is a permanent union. Now rest. Here is what your activity should be. Here is what your effort should be. Your effort is to be effortless. Your activity and your labor is to rest in that union. Lighten up, folks. You didn't do anything to save yourself. You're not doing anything to sanctify yourself. Now somebody's out there, now wait a minute, shouldn't we read our Bible? And shouldn't we pray? Shouldn't we tithe? Shouldn't we witness? Shouldn't we worship? Absolutely. But where does that come from? The motivation and the mobilization of that comes from the sap. It comes not from your good heart. It comes from your renewed heart. Jesus Christ made two promises to you as a son and a daughter. He says, I will give you life. You will be born again. You are saved. You are redeemed. But then he didn't leave us to work it out on his own. Thank God, because I, I would have been the back of the class. I'd been the failure. I'd been in the principal's office. I'd be suspended and I'd be expelled because I just can't make it on my own, folks. But, he says, my second promise is not only will I redeem you, but I will renew you. Prior to this, this walk, this conversation walk, he addressed and spoke to them of the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I am sending me. I am coming in the personal being of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And I will prompt your heart when to do, what to do. I am the source. I am the sap. I am the point of origination. The branch bears fruit by the sap sent from the vine. Which way are your eyes looking? Right? Horticulture. The vine has this sap that's created in it as it draws up the nutrients through its roots. The branch does not, is not the point of origin from the sap. And the branch doesn't beg the vine, oh, you know, I, I, I need more sap here. I've got to work. I've got to work to draw it out. No. It just rests. It just rests there, fat and happy, so to speak, in the vine. It just says, vine, pump me up. Send your spirit. I surrender. I yield. And it prompts us. It grows us. It leads us. And you will bear fruit. You will. You absolutely. But again, your labor is to rest. Your effort is to be effortless. Now again, I'm not antinomian, meaning anti-law or completely anti-works, but it's which side it flows out of. Am I doing those things because I'm in love? And the more and more mindful I am, and as I look to Jesus Christ, then these things take bud, blossom, and fruit is produced. But it doesn't come because I'm like, I am going to grow this fruit Discipline is well and good. Self-control, though, is a fruit as well. The prompting, even your desire to be fruitful, comes from the sap of the Holy Spirit. 
even that desire. Colossians 3.3 says, You have died, there is no more you. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. And verse 4 says, When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Again, you are inseparable. If you're abiding in Christ now, because He's grafted you in, you will abide with Him even as you will appear in glory with Him. Because your life and His are the same. Let me go a little bit deeper before I leave this point. What does Christ have to daily or constantly do? What behavior or activity does He have to constantly do in order to abide with the Father? Don't, don't think long on this. It's nothing. When He says all this about I am in my Father's love and you're in me and now you're in the Father's love and I'm in the Father and you're in me and you're in the Father, therefore... When He's saying all that, He's saying the same way that I abide in the Father, you're going to abide in the Father. And you're going to abide in me. And I'm going to abide in you. It's effortless. And it's, it's lovingly yielding to one another. And that fruit, that sap is flowing and that fruit begins to emerge. Let me, let me ask two questions and then I want to look at one fruit out of Galatians 5 before I leave this point. Number one, for those of you at Two Rivers who faithfully, weekly, some of you daily, serve in the ministry here, how are you doing? Are you feeling the sap strengthening you for ministry? Or are you just feeling sapped in strength? I hear the term a lot. And uh, if you're a guest this morning, you may say, man, uh, uh, we, this is housekeeping. I'm not sure. Let me, guys, I feel totally safe with my congregation. Totally safe. Um, first of all, they haven't fired me yet from making my own self vulnerable. But I, I feel totally safe with my congregation. But I hear the term burn out a lot. Man, I'm burning out. I'm burning out. I'm burning out. Are you drawing the sap from the vine? Because if you are, burn out. You'll be tired, but you won't be burning out. Look again to say, am I doing it in my own strength? Or am I doing it just simply because I have to? Am I doing it because I just I can't say no to someone? Or am I doing it because the Lord is prompting me and saying, yeah, get involved. Bear fruit here. Serve in the, the nursery or the children's church or with the, the deacons, with the setup, with the worship team. In discipleship or in, in teaching or in leadership in the church. I want, this is what I'm doing. Yes, I see that. Or is it just a constant draining of your strength? Secondly, those that may or may not be currently serving. And this could apply to any of us outside of Two Rivers. Are you feeling that the things that used to give you strength no longer give you strength? If I could just go fishing, if I could just have a day off to go fishing, then I'd be, man, I'd be good to go for a whole month. And then you go fishing, and whether you catch anything or not, whether the weather's good or not, it just didn't work like it used to work. Or, you know what, if I can just have a couple of beers with the guys, then I'll be, man, I'll just be so relaxed, I'll just be good. 
But then a couple of beers, they don't touch it anymore. They don't work. So it takes a little more and a little more. And even then, it's just not working. The things that used to give you strength or recreate are not working anymore. Are you not knowing that it never was supposed to work that way? Oh, God loves for us to have these, these small little pleasures. But when we look to them to give us strength for fruitfulness in our life, they're not made to work that way. Uh, you know, this sermon series, the short sermon series of four messages comes out of my sabbatical. And going into my sabbatical in a remote location in Scotland, I was feeling burnout. And I was feeling fruitlessness. It was like, Lord, I, I just feel so plateaued. And I, I just, I don't feel like, I just feel like spiritually I'm an underachiever and and Lord, I just, I just don't know. And I began to see how much of ministry I was doing, but I was doing in my own prompting or I was doing in my own energy. And the word I got over and over again is antithetical to capitalism. It was don't work harder, rest. Don't go out and try to do more. Sit longer with me. Look at Galatians 5. Galatians 5 is the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the fruit is a book that was very, very helpful to me that I read in my, my sabbatical. I had it in my library. I've read it before. It came to be, I, it was inseparable for me. I read uh, a portion of it every day during the seven weeks that I had. It's called Abide in Christ by Andrew Murray. And he focuses on what does it mean, this union that we have in Christ. And there's one portion where he goes through John 15. And I quote, If Christ the heavenly vine has taken the believer as a branch, then he has pledged himself in the very nature of things to supply the sap and the spirit and the nourishment to bring forth fruit. The soul need but have one care to abide closely, fully, wholly. He will give the fruit. Now what are you supposed to do? Abide. You are to, he says, have one care and that is to abide closely, fully, wholly. And what does abide remember? What is that? Is that go out and do? No. It's rest. Rest in Him. Take our eyes off of our performance, or what I need to do to be fruitful for Him, pay Him back as it were, and to put my eyes on His performance. Put my eyes on Him. He will give the fruit. He works all that is needed to make the believer a blessing to others who taste His fruit. Andrew Murray would say that the the purpose, and this helps us identify what fruit is. What is fruitfulness in the Christian life? Yes, we should pray. And yes, and we do. And we, we love God's Word. We love all the means of, of God's grace, the fellowship with one another, and, and worship, and, commun and communion with Him. We love Him. But that's not the fruit that Christ is talking about. The fruit that Christ is talking about is found in Galatians 5. And in Galatians 5, 
we read verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit. See, the source is identified. Don't, don't look to me to be the point of origination for fruit. Which, by the way, side road, that means I can't necessarily cherry pick and say, uh, man, some of these are beyond me. But you know what? Faithfulness, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at that. I'm a pretty faithful person. And this kindness thing, uh, that's a little, that's not really me right now. The, the Spirit's going to pick the fruit to develop. The Spirit is at work. It's His fruit. It comes from the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patient, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. The purpose of fruit is not yourself. The purpose of the fruit is your circle of influence. Your, it's your family. It's your neighbors. It's your workmates. It's your classmates. It's people that, you, that cross your path. They are looking for various things in this life to give them life because their strength is zapped. And Andrew Murray says the purpose of a fruitful life is not that people might applaud you as a mature Christian, but that others might taste your fruit and say, this is delicious and it's life-sustaining from me. That's, that's the purpose of being fruitful. Let's pick one before I leave this point. Let's pick one. And I, my third point is very, very short because it touches on hell and I don't like to talk about hell. But because it's in the text, I've got to talk about it. Kindness. That's a fruit of the Spirit. Are you a kind person? Try this on your own strength. If you don't believe what, what I've been emphasizing, go try to be kind today. Go try to be kind this week on your own energies. And here's what I, I'm going to boil kindness down to two things. Speak kindly to anybody that crosses your path. Anybody you come in contact with on any subject, speak to them kindly. And then everybody else, when you speak about others, speak kindly about others. Wendy and I have been struck. Well, I won't include her because she's a saint. I'm the scoundrel. I'm the scandal. I have told her I have been so convicted from the sabbatical on. Last week I told you I was convicted about grumbling. Grumbling against what God has provided in His providence. Grumbling against God. Complaining about my circumstances. But I was also convicted about how I talked about people. Not, not you two, Rivers. I'd, I'd never... I'd never. But gossip! Or, or, oh, we need to pray for that brother because you know what? And then go on. And I was like, Wow, Lord, help me. Help me. I can't even do it just by discipline. I can't drum it up to speak kindly to people. There's triggers that cause me to get off, go off or speak about others kindly. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that love is patient and kind. We are a fruit of the Spirit is kindness. So how are we going to get kindness? If you look to your own self for the sap, 
it's not going to come. Oh, you can be kind for a little while, but it's not going to last. You're either going to speak to someone unkindly, or you're going to speak about someone unkindly. But what if you look to Jesus? Let's go to the cross. Sit down there. Get comfortable. Rest. Get real comfortable. Don't go moving around. Rest. Now look up at Him. What's coming out of His mouth? Listen and marvel when He says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Wow, that's me. What a great kindness. He is, he's excusing me. He's saying, Father, they don't even know that they're being an idiot. They, don't even, they just don't know. Forgive them. He's interceding for me. I read, I read this morning, uh, I didn't intend to, but it just came across in my reading, but I, I read this morning um, that he looks down from the cross to John and he says to his mother, he says, woman, there's your son. Go. He's looked to him as a son. John, here's your mother. Take care of my mother. The guy is crucified. A crown of thorns. Soon a spear in the side to, to verify that he's dead. He is dying. And he is showing kindness while he's being killed. Man, give me that. That's in the vine. And it's coming my way. What's blocking it? There's nothing blocking it except I don't rest in Him. And I, I, I found that in my what we call quiet times or my daily worship, my, my daily devotions, I found that I'd become quite mechanical. I was checking boxes. Okay? I have my quiet time at this time. I read these certain passages. I put it in my journal. I pray. And then I go my way. It was becoming like daily flossing your teeth. And I had a lot of knowledge. And I could even use out of that to kind of preach it to other people. But I wasn't abiding. I wasn't resting in Him. I wasn't really connecting. And that was creating an observation that I wasn't as fruitful. Are you regularly connecting with the vine? And it may look different according to where you are right now. It may be a time that you set aside and all you do is sing. It may be all you do is you just take a long walk and have a long conversation with Jesus. It's certainly, I would encourage you to come to the point where you're regularly reading His Word because this is a living Word, so He speaks from this and we're able to hear Him take that direction and and mobilize and motivate and to give us those desires for the fruit to come. Lastly, Jesus Christ says something that's rather troubling. But remember your eclipse glasses. Do you have the counterfeit ones or do you have the real ones? The counterfeit ones look at verse 6 and say, if I'm not abiding, then I'm going to be a branch that He comes along and He cuts off. Now, last week, we talked about pruning. And yes, 
He prunes even the fruitful vine. But this is something different. I believe John Calvin is correct. He's not talking about the elect. He's talking about the hypocrite. He's talking about someone that does not abide in him. He's talking about a non-abider. And he's saying and describing it. He's saying in the vineyard, there are other branches. And they look like they're a part of the vine, but they're not. They look very close like they're a part of the vine, but they're not grafted in. They're not abiding. And he's coming along and he's gathering them and he's putting them in a brush or a burn pile for a future fire. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, Jesus Christ said this, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And he goes on and he gives the reason for them to depart, to get out of the, they're not going to be included in the vineyard. They're not going to be included in eternal life. And he describes those as, you didn't feed me when I was hungry. You didn't visit me when I was in prison. And he's saying this to the religious. And what he's saying is, is that there are those that can be so religious and they're basing their salvation on what their activity and they do that they actually are going to be those branches that are systematically piled up and on that day of judgment, they go to hell and they're burned. Now, that may seem like really, really bad news, but it's good news because Jesus said, I don't want you to be confused. I want you to see that it's all grace. My branches are known because they simply rest and abide in me. I don't measure anybody by the activity or their religious results or the, the, their behavior. I judge, I judge them. Do they abide in me? Are they in me? Or into me? And he, I believe it's also good news for this reason. He says it's a future fire. There's still a chance. I pray for some of my family members like this. Lord, you're, you're God. And if you've got some that are elect of destiny and they're destined for hell, of my family members and my friends, I don't know who they are. I don't know the difference of those that are elect for salvation, those that are elect for hell. You know who they are, but you, you can change it. You just go to that pile and I pray for them. I intercede for them. Take them out of that pile and graft them into the vine. Take them out of that pile, graft them in. I pray for them. And why I'm stimulated that there is a fire, there is a hell, there is a judgment. They don't have to go there as long as i got a prayer for them. And then secondly, if you're one of those individuals, there's time, but I don't know how much time. And it can change. You only have to do this. You don't have to suddenly become religious. But you very simply pray and say, Lord, I want to come and rest into You. I want to lay my life down and lay it into You. I want You. I want to finally rest in You. And He will take you. 
He will take you because that's how He works by grace. And He will graft you in. So it's good news. It's a wake up, but it's good news to pray for others and also to be able to, to come and to abide in Him. There, Jesus Christ was going from this place to the cross. And at the cross, there was an eclipse. Do you know that? You can read in Matthew's Gospel the account that during the day for three hours, he's during the time of his death on the cross, there was three hours of darkness. And in that eclipse, in that darkness, the vine was cut off from God. And he faced hell. And this is good news because he satisfied completely the wrath of God that we justly deserved. And now the promise is we can never be cut off because he was. If you can be cut off and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, then God broke his word and he does not. Christ died for nothing and he did not. Christ was cut off that will never be cut off. And when I look at that good man, my Savior dying for me in that place, I want to live my life for Him. And in living my life for Him, I will have meaning and purpose and it will be fruitful because it will flow with ease. Fruit doesn't struggle like that. It will flow with ease from Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Take this, your word, and shore up any anxiety in our heart to know that as a believer, we are your son and daughter, and that now and forever. Also, Father, remind us that you will bear fruit, and you long to bear fruit, and you are at work even now to do so. And Holy Spirit, give us awakened desires to stay connected in you to draw more and more and more from your strength and your work in our life and less on our own. And we ask, Lord, that you would take this table and you would use it as a means of grace to that end, that we would be strengthened to bear fruit from your life and your death on your behalf, on our behalf. And we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.